And right now, here's the old Buffalo Chaser, Dr. History. Good morning, Zab. How are you doing today? My friend, I'm doing well. Good, good. Had a great week last week. We married off my daughter, and so six out of six are married now, and five daughters. You know, we have a saying in the Turner family that raising daughters is like raising corn for the other man's pigs. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that's... No, but I can imagine your daughters probably didn't care for that analogy. <laughs> well, we've got some pretty good pigs and in And I want to make it explicitly clear that was Dr. Ken Turner, not <laughs> Zeb right. Bell saying that. Oh, it was good. Had all the kids home, all the grandkids. I never heard that. Yep. So, oh, anyway. my. You uh, you give marriage and daughters and weddings kind of a, a bad name. Uh, it was good. <laughs> okay. Had a great time. You're trying to cover your tracks. I am. I am. <laughs> Uh, okay, good. now without further ado, as he pulls his Tony Lama out of his mouth, what yep. are we going to talk about this well, morning? Well, I've got to apologize for last week. Now you did something last I week, did. too. I said, uh, we told a story about Peg Leg Smith. Oh, yeah. And I said, you know, I don't think anybody has heard of Peg Leg Smith. Somebody has. They have. And in fact, every year on the first Saturday in April, and I'm going to I don't know if I'm going to say this right, at the Anza Borrego Desert State Park. They have a Peg Leg Smith Liars Contest. Where is that? That's kind of, it's in Southern Cal, uh, kind of northeast of San Diego, about 100 miles. He was the guy that stole all the horses, yeah. wasn't he? But they also uh, say that he had a legend uh, about having a lost gold mine. And I hadn't heard about that. So, so what you said on the radio got you criticism. Well, not really, just some constructive information. In other words, everybody thought a lot of Peg Leg, even though he was yeah. a horse thief. And... Uh, uh, they have this celebration every April down there, and I appreciate the listener that uh, let me know about Somebody this. Somebody here? No, uh, I don't know where they're from because they just sent me an email, uh, so they must be from down that it's way somewhere. It's probably a great, great, great nephew. Of Peg Leg Smith. Of Peg Leg. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank that listener for letting me know. That is nice. That is. So I appreciate that. Okay, so you got chewed out on the weddings, and now you got chewed out on Peg Leg, on so Peg what Leg. are we going to talk about right. this week? Well... You know, uh, when you think about uh, freight wagons, a lot of times we talk about wagon trains, you know, with families and, yeah, and one thing or another. Yeah. This time we're going to talk about a freight wagon train and oh. the difficulties they had. Oh, no, wait a minute. Freight wagon. You also had a story not too long ago where somebody tried to make a freight wagon into a car Well, and it, sail it. Yes, the sail wagon. The sail wagon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a funny one. Yeah, anyway, right. okay, so here we go. Uh, Okay, I want you to picture this. It's a sunny spring day, May 21st, 1853. Long line of freight wagons halted in the Arkansas River Valley near where Hutchison, Kansas stands today. Uh, 57, 57 men made camp and began to prepare their midday meal. Okay. And they, they actually called that dinner. Okay. As they sat down to eat, someone yelled, Indians. Mm-hmm. Everyone looked where he pointed. On the horizon, the men saw about 200 mounted Cheyenne charging toward the wagons. Oh, this isn't good. Dinner was uh, uh, temporarily halted. So was lunch. The, tem- the Teamsters quickly moved their wagons into a defensive circle and prepared for the battle. So as the Indians neared the wagons, the Teamsters could hear them yell. Some Indians fired rifles. Others had uh, bow and arrows shot towards the wagons, which... 
uh, like I said, they were loaded with trading goods bound for Santa Fe. So they, they were pretty heavily laden. Yeah. But anyway, we know what happened that spring day because one of the Teamsters, a young man by the name of James M. Fugit, later wrote his recollections. So this is actually taken from a journal, from oh, a diary. So this is legit. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so his name is James, or I'm going to call him Jim Fugit. Okay. And here's what he said. He said, taken by such a dangerous disadvantage and surprise, we were just in that position which makes men fight with desperation, and instantaneously our rifles were peeling forth with their notes of defiance and death to the Indians. Well, that's colorful language. It is. You know, for somebody back then... I, in other words, he could have said, we were scared to death, but we shot back. <laughs> yeah. We, so he... Anyway, some kind of a colorful, in a good way, language. Yeah. Anyway, so the wagon train with 45 men under the command of a J.W. Jones had left Lexington in Lafayette County, Missouri, east of modern-day Kansas City, Missouri, about a month earlier. Okay. So they'd been on the trail for about a month. Mm-hmm. So their journey was uneventful as the wagon train crossed into what months later would be Kansas Territory and headed down the Santa Fe Trail okay. to Council Grove, right. which was the last settlement before reaching New Mexico. Well, many miles west of Council Grove, the, camp, the wagon train came on 12 Santa Fe-bound men with three wagons waiting along the trail. They were just sitting there. Hmm. They said they had heard of Indian trouble ahead. So knowing there was safety in numbers, they decided to wait and join the other traders going to Santa Fe. So the dozen men in their three wagons joined the larger train, and everyone headed down the Santa Fe Trail. I see. So, and obviously it makes sense. You know, the more wagons, the better protected you're going to be. Well, yeah. So anyway, Jim Fugit remembered that as the Indians began circling the wagons, and you've seen this on movies. They swung to the opposite side of their ponies, exposing but little of themselves to our aim by firing under the horse's necks. Yep. Now, to me, that's a heck of a horseman. That oh, can, yeah. You know, and to hang on like they did. But The Sioux and the Cheyenne, I think it was the Cheyenne, uh, were the best at that. Or yeah. the Comanches, I think, yeah. were the best horsemen. But anyway, their deadly miss- he says their deadly missiles were soon playing havoc among our cattle. Now, were they shooting guns or arrows? Both. Oh, they Both. were. Yeah. I see. So he said the poor creatures were madly surging and bellowing around, endangering us to a death beneath their feet. Worse to be feared within the enclosure than the foe without. Oh, my goodness. So this new danger soon drove us outside the enclosure of wagons in full view of the Indians. Why didn't they get under the wagons? Well, I, you know, I don't know. That's, uh, But if you think about it, you've got a small corral with horses and oxen yeah. jumping oh, and yeah. yelling, uh, you know, so... Oh, anyway, this might be a good time for a break. <laughs> Very appropriate. Thank you. And right now, I'd like to remind everybody about Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, with Zach and the crew. Oh, you're remodeling this spring, are you? Well, listen, they've got all your lumber packages to choose from. Hey, maybe you're fixing the roof. They've got all your shingles, and they've got all your carpet. You're really dressing things up, aren't you? Well, you're pretty doggone smart. By going to Minicasha Sales at 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. And the number to call Zach and the crew, 878-2091. Don't forget, Minicasha sales in Burley. And now, the attack continues. All right, so here we have this wagon train 
uh, freight wagons uh, surrounded by Indians. And they're in a big shooting circle. Back. It's a big circle. Yeah, yep. yeah, All yeah. the animals on the inside, yeah. uh, dust. and It's a Saturday morning thriller. This <laughs> is exciting. So as Jim Fugit and the others moved outside the corral of wagons, the Indians narrowed their circle. So now they're riding within about 25 yards of the wagon. That's so close. That's pretty close. Yeah. So the motion of their... 75 feet. Yeah. So the motion of their ponies unsteadied their aim until it was kind of random. In other words, the Indian's aim was, you know, you can imagine, I mean, just trying to shoot from a horse, even if you're up on the saddle. No, I can't imagine shooting <laughs> from my horse. I wouldn't <laughs> have run. a horse underneath me. <laughs> At a dead run. <laughs> so anyway, Fugit and the others found that as the Indians pressed nearer, the Teamsters became more destructive with their shots. Uh-huh. They became more accurate. And what did they shoot at? The Well, sometimes they shot the horses. Yeah, well, yeah. you can't blame them. Right. So, realizing their rifles were not very effective, the Indians quickly turned to using their bow and arrows. Oh, no, wait a minute. Yeah. So By shooting under the horse? Yeah, under their neck. How I don't did know they how do they, that? Well, uh, let's keep going here, and I okay. think we'll get a hint here. All right. And here's where Jim Fugit tells what happened next. He says... Finding themselves getting most terribly worsted in the combat, they made a dash to ride down and tomahawk us all in one death struggle. Holy smokes! I tell you then, we had no child's play. Outnumbered four or five to one in a hand-to-hand fight to death is a serious thing. We were soon mingling together, but driven against the wagons, we could dodge or parry their blows with a tomahawk, while the rapid flashes in each man's hand, probably a Colt Navy Model 1851 revolver, Mm. was not so easily avoided by the Indians. We made the ground too hot for them, and with yells of baffled rage, they broke and fled, carrying off all their killed and wounded, but three which they had to leave. That's, wow. his, that's how he described it. I mean, that's a, you know, if you can try to imagine that. But well, first of all, I can't imagine why you'd want to put yourself in plain sight. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the way they did it. But yeah. anyway, Jim uh, and the others looked around to evaluate their situation. One of the Teamsters, a young man named Gilbert, was dead. His revolver had misfired. He had picked up a rifle and was using it as a club against the Indians when he died. Oh, my goodness sake. Fugit remembered that Gilbert lay as he fell with his hand clenched around the stock of his gun as though he would take the weapon with his departed spirit to the other world. This guy really could write. He did. Excellent. But many other Teamsters were wounded too seriously. Now, outside the corral of wagons, dead and dying ponies, which we mentioned, were scattered about on the prairie with the arms of their savage owners about them, while several of our cattle were also dead and dying from wounds made by the missiles aimed for us. Holy smokes. They lose all the animals to pull the wagons? Yeah, to pull the wagons. So it was a pretty gruesome scene to me. Anyway, Fugit and the other uninjured Teamsters spent the afternoon burying Gilbert's body on the spot, taking care of the wounded and gathering up the spoils of the fight. He said, we destroyed everything belonging to the Indians that we could not carry away. Now, the Indians considered themselves beaten then. Right, at this point. All right. Okay. Now, Fugit remembered. Now, toward dusk, the Teamsters moved their wagons and their wounded about one mile away to the bank of the Arkansas River and made camp. Where they had water. Yes. Okay. Now, after an evening meal, the men, except those on guard, sat sat around the campfires talking. Fugit wrote that they talked over their chances of reaching New Mexico with their small force. Mm. And here's what he said. The future looked hopeless indeed, but J.W. Jones, who commanded the outfit, swore he could go to Santa Fe. 
And he, so he was the leader, and he he's was the leader. He's determined. And it doesn't say what they, how many animals were short on pulling not, the wagons, does no, it? No, but you know they had to double up, I'm yeah. sure, or something. Holy but smoke. so here we go. They through the night they were okay, but by dawn the next morning the teamsters were breaking camp, moving toward the trail. Oh no! The slow journey was uneventful until late in the afternoon, as they neared a place called Walnut Creek, which is a tributary of the Arkansas River. Uh-huh. There they made camp in a horseshoe bend on the west side of the creek the night was peaceful but at dawn as the guards were taking the oxen out of the corral to graze uh, perhaps as many as 500 cheyenne appeared 500 some were mounted on ponies others were on foot uh they wanted to steal the oxen no i mean that's one of the main things they wanted to do indians wanted oxen well they probably ate them (laughs) just you know Hmm. anyway uh, and here's what he says. At the east end, the Indians broke through and came into the corral. Oh, they were there. Right there. But of those who came through, it is a question if any ever returned. They were immediately shot and clubbed with the weapons. I broke my own gun, gun stock over the head of one of the Indians. Oh, my goodness. So the Indians, seeing the fate that had befallen their comrades who went through under the wagons, began a hasty retreat and were quickly followed by the entire pack as fast as they could run. So now we've got 500 Cheyenne on the run. Wait a minute. How many guys were in this freight train? Uh, I'm thinking they had a because they were about 45, and they picked up another dozen, so 50, 60. Against 500 Cheyennes? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Hmm. So uh, they took refuge in a low range of sand hills along the Arkansas River, okay. which uh, not very far from where they worked. Yeah. But anyway, and what they would do is they'd come out occasionally during the morning to harass us. And Fugit said... Harass? Harass. Yeah. You know, shoot. Good word. Yeah. Yeah. So Fugit said that he and the others followed the Indians toward the sand hills. Now, this doesn't sound real smart to me. (laughs) Okay. Firing at them. But when the Teamsters got as far as they could go, they retreated to the safety of the corralled wagons. Yeah, like hurry. Yes. There, the wagon master, J.W. Jones, counted the bodies of 60 dead Indians inside and outside the corral of wagons. Holy cow. Now, at this point, five, five Teamsters had been killed and several wounded, and a few of them would actually later die from their injuries. Oh, yeah. So they were they were getting hit pretty hard. Yeah. So anyway, all was quiet until about mid-morning when the men in the corral saw another party of armed white men, actually, Uh-oh. forming a line to the west and moving toward the Indians. Now, Fugit and the others soon learned the armed white men were from another wagon train owned by Majors and Russell out of Missouri. So they were coming to help the freighters. Yeah. They were camped about a half mile to the west. Seeing them moving toward the Indians, Fugit and the other Teamsters in his train left their corral to join them, and soon all of them were moving together toward the Indians. Oh. So it was then that the Indians beat a hasty retreat across the Arkansas River. Still outnumbered. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yes. Anyway, so Fugit. Fugit and the Teamsters uh, from his train apparently visited with the Teamsters from the other train, thanked them for their help. The Teamsters then returned to their respective camps, and at Fugit's camp, he and the others, they buried their dead, as I mentioned, that had been killed, a little ways southwest of their camp. So at about 2 o'clock that afternoon, they broke camp and soon joined the Majors and Russell wagon train and continued down the Santa Fe Trail. So now here we are, about five or six miles down the trail, Oh, no, not again. <laughs> the Teamsters had a brush with more Indians. Oh, my goodness. But nothing serious occurred until early the next afternoon. 
until, uh, okay, so uh, now they are camped about 200 yards south of a place called Pawnee Rock. Okay. I've never heard of that. But the night passed without incident. But the following morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. Here we go. Just as the oxen are being yoked, a band of about 300 Cheyenne suddenly charged the wagons from the north around both sides of Pawnee Rock. This is problem. This is not good. This is not going to work. All right. It's a good thing we're getting close to the end of this trail. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. And here's what he said. He said, "Leaving leaving our cattle just as they were, some yoked, some partly yoked, we instantly seized our weapons and pitched in vigorously to repulse the assault. The Indians opened a heavy fire from the start. They made strainers of our wagon boxes by perforating them with bullets and arrowheads. The Indians who were mounted fired high, and many hit some of their own men on the other side of the corral. So in other words, they're riding in a circle. And they're shooting. And they're shooting, and some of the bullets, uh, this is kind of a circular firing squad. <laughs> yeah, so you may get hit. This is not good. <laughs> not for You the would Indians. think that they would have studied <laughs> tactics more cautiously. Exactly. So anyway, after firing this way for a while and finding they could you know, gain It's got to be nothing. funny, though. The chief is sitting up on a hill on his paint pony going, gee, I wish they'd quit shooting each <laughs> see, other. Yeah. You know, so after a while, uh, finding they couldn't get anywhere, they beat a hasty retreat to the south, taking with them their dead and wounded, who were in nearly all cases tied to their ponies. Now, that's what, you know, as I mentioned, they could ride and shoot underneath their their neck. So, evidently, they tied themselves somehow to the horse, which makes more sense. Um, anyway, uh, because as, as was shown by what they said, the thongs that lay by some of the dead ponies where the riders had cut loose and got away. I see. So when the horse got shot, they had to cut the rope, the whatever it was that was holding them on the horse. Hmm. So anyway, I still want to go back to the circular attack and yeah. the bullets. Man, you could wipe out your own neighborhood yeah. and never know it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, in that fight at Pawnee Rock, one teamster was wounded and several oxen were killed. The next morning, the wagon train continued down the trail. Here we go again. Well, Fugit remembered that they had to fight Indians every few days. No kidding. He said, we had engagements at Pawnee Fork, again near Fort Dodge, again at Cimarron, and a place called Mount Aubrey in what is now Kearney County, Kansas. Anyway, when Fugit and the others reached Mount Aubrey, they found a party of 11 Spaniards who had been attacked by Indians. Ten of them were dead. The 11th was still alive, but had been scalped, and he died a few hours oh. after he was found. Oh! So that's what they came across. Aye, aye. Anyway, the wagon train camped near where the Spaniards had been attacked. The night passed peacefully, but at first light, a band of Kiowa, Apache, and Arapahoes attacked. They got the whole neighborhood. They do. So Fugit remembered that they fire, first fired on the guards, and then coming up by slow, cautious movements, they were stealthy and steadily did they advance that almost before we were aware of it, we had eight men lying dead. All this time, we kept up a vigorous and pointed fire. About 10 o'clock, finding they could not capture our train, they retreated the way they came, leaving their dead. So the wagon train remained in camp for four days. They buried the dead, including the 12 Spaniards. Really? He said, we had some more fighting now and then until we reached Fort Bent, after which we were out of hostile country, and we reached Santa Fe in safety with what we had left of men and animals. We lost no wagons and carried our cargo entirely through. Holy but mackerel. think of the, the, I mean, how many guys got killed. That's terrible. You know, and this is a freight wagon. 
And that's a bona fide report from yeah. one of the guys who kept yeah, a diary. His, yeah, his journey, and quite wow. eloquent, I, yeah. I thought, in his yeah. uh, writing, which is unusual. For- I would imagine at the next uh, council fire at the Indian tribe headquarters, they probably discussed their tactics of shooting in a circle. Yeah, I, I would think that would have to come up yeah. in conversation. Uh, excuse me, Chief, the last <laughs> attack didn't work well. Yeah. So, anyway, that's just a story that, that I was a was good story. I never, and it was called the what? The well, it's just called Jim Fugit's Adventures on the Santa Fe Trail. Santa Fe Trail. And I, I suspect he probably has a lot more written about other adventures. Once they were at Santa Fe, then did they turn around and go back the same way? Well, you know the freighters. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. But that's what they did. I'd I, go back to Kansas via New York. <laughs> go, you know, and and have a lot of people with you because. Oh my! You know, this goodness. was uh, 1853, so right in the middle of. And they didn't uh, have the Winchester repeating rifles then either. They were all single shots. You know, I I think you're right. I know they were. Yeah. yeah, they had the pistols, but I think they were the cap and ball, and they weren't yeah, easy they to load the, either. Uh, he said uh, probably a Colt Navy model yeah. 1851. They kick like a mule. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they're what a six shooter, I guess. Yeah, but then you took time to. Boy, I'm impressed that they could. Fire all yeah. those guns. Uh, percussion revolvers. Yeah, what he percussion calls it. caps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that's the story you did it again, Jim Doc. Fugit, yeah. Outstanding. So I've got to pay some bills, and I salute you, Doctor History, for a very good story. I got to talk to you during the break. Don't worry. Okay. Off. Well, just real quickly, those that want to hear that story last week, just go to doctor-history.com, and you can hear the story about Pegleg Smith. Okay. That we mentioned. Yep. Pegleg the horse thief. Yes. And everybody likes him. <laughs> 